Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Tampa Bay Lightning, in which I am joined by, quite honestly, one of my favorite people to do these little chats with, because he is both incredibly knowledgeable about his team and also a delightful human being to chat with. Matthew Estevez, how are you? I'm good, Kelly. How about yourself? Good. Matthew writes for Raw Charge, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning blog on the SB Nation Network, so be sure to check out his work over there. You want to learn a little bit about the Bolts ahead of this game. So um, one of the things that was super interesting for me is usually when I do these little chats, like I ask people to kind of like, I guess for lack of a better word, explain the weaker points of their team um, and how they might be improving those weaker points heading into the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. But um, as I'm sure you're well aware, Matt, there aren't a ton of weak spots on the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. So that must be fun for you. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's weird that you have to really, really nitpick a glaring hole inside the forward core. And by nitpicking, I mean, you have to go to the fourth line and basically right. say, uh, Cedric Paquette, he's essentially an average fourth liner. Most teams yeah. have average fourth liners, so like that's that's nitpicking. We have two really young kids on the fourth line who are fast and they they have no problem hitting people, but that's kind of what you want. <laughs> so yeah. like it's hard to pick any hole in the fourth girl. Defensively, it's a tiny bit easier. I mean, we really need a a a real I wouldn't say real, but a much more effective sixth defenseman because right now essentially what the Lightning should do going into the playoffs. Which they've already said they're going to have their set six, but right now they have five set in my head, which is Hedman, McDonough, Strawman, Sergachev, Chernak. Those are the five. Mm -hmm. And then you have Coburn and Girardi fighting for the sixth spot. It'd be nice if we didn't have to have that. Yeah. But it's not It's not like Coburn and Girardi aren't NHL defensemen. They are. They're just their fives or sixes, more than likely sixes at this point in their careers. And you're picking between either one of them to fill the sixth spot and the other one's going to sit in the press box. And that's kind of the extension of our nitpicking. Yeah. Sounds awful. Sounds like a, a lot of tough choices. It's different than last season. We were when we were like, yeah, <laughs> it's different than last season. We were like, we have two legitimate top four guys, a kid who might be a top four, well, who, who will be a top four, just he's not a top four yet, and then a whole bunch of oh god. <laughs> I'm very familiar with that kind of defenseman. The oh god defenseman. The Flyers yes. always have at least two or three of those. I mean, we did employ the we have employed the same defenseman whose whose name was Matt Carl. <laughs> That's true, and also Braden Coburn. Well, well see, no, well. see Coburn. See, I'm actually higher on Coburn than Girardi because Coburn, yeah, for one, had a great first half of the season. He hasn't necessarily. I mean, we all expected him to regress compared to the how great he was in all three zones at the start of the season. But I, at this point, I would much rather have Coburn in the lineup than Girardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, though, it's not like Girardi was bad for you guys. When we first got Girardi, Girardi was a legit top four defensive when we first got him, which was a few years ago. Now, of course, you know, age has dropped him down a decent bit, but he's still a quality third-pairing defenseman, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he's definitely not Andrew McDonald bad. Oh, so God. You've got that going for oh, you. Oh, God, let's not talk <laughs> about that. So one of the, the kind of running things that I think has been a topic of conversation uh, with regard to the Tampa Bay Lightning this year is how you guys kind of like the Maple Leafs are going to have a lot of cap related questions here in the next couple of years. A lot of guys that you need to sign, a lot of young talent. 
that's going to want to raise. And it might be difficult for you, not you personally, for the lightning to keep. Difficult to understatement, and it's not happening in a few years. It's happening in a few months. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Once we have to pay Braden Point. Yeah. So like this is. It's been said that like kind of this is the year that if Tampa is going to do it, they kind of have to do it this year because after this year, they're probably not going to be as stacked of a team as they are right now. And I have to say, it is certainly looking like it's their year. Like they, I, I mean, for you, do you kind of feel like at this point? I don't really, I don't really like the whole, this is their year narrative because how many times have we said that about the Washington Capitals? That's true. And how many times the Capitals just get, get beat by some, team that got hot or some goaltender that got hot at the worst possible time now all by all those great capitals teams are different than this lightning team in the sense this lightning team is deeper offensively deeper Mm -hmm. defensively and has a much more consistent goaltender in net than the capitals did all by all by i'm not saying hope he's not consistent i'm especially when hope fully took over the starting spot it's just like every time hope did his best to carry his team his offense let him down. Mm-hmm. It was like always something with that team, but those capital teams were always a little more top heavy than expected. And last season, they finally were the team that got hot. Um, they still weren't that deep of a team, but when you get hot and you get quality scoring from Devontae Smith, Pelly's, Lars Ellers, and the Brian Brent Connellys of the world, while having Alex Ovechkin doing Alex Ovechkin things and Brayden <laughs> Hopley stopping damn near everything, well, you're set to go. Yeah. Um, if you wanna, if you if you look at how the base of this team is set up, then yeah, I kind of agree with that because over half of this defensive core is gonna expire on contracts. You're gonna have Strawman, Coburn, and Girardi all expire. I expect one to come back, more than likely Strawman. Mm-hmm. But there has been some whispers, just whispers. This is just this is just what I've heard around the organization, just whispers that it could it could possibly be Coburn depending on the role. Um, I would prefer Strawman. Strawman hasn't regressed as much as Coburn as they've entered their 30s. And Strawman is still a, is still an okay top four defenseman. He's no longer as good as he was last season or the season before, but he's still okay. And it also gives Chernak a little more time to grow into the top four role because he hasn't been here all season. He's only been here for about a quarter of a season at this point. You know, Sergich mm-hmm. has made the jump from his first year to this year, so hopefully Chernak will have the same rough progression next season. As the season progresses next year, he'll get more comfortable in a top four role, and then we don't have to worry about so much about our top four defense. Forward-wise, not much is going to change. I don't expect Point to go anywhere. Um, Point is one of those RFAs who's talked about getting an offer sheet, but Julian Breezeball has said he's not worried about it. I kind of align myself with Breezeball because how many times have we heard, oh, offer sheet, oh, offer sheet, or offer sheet, or offer sheet, and nothing happens? Well, we have actually, we have a theory about that at Broad Street Hockey that um, NHL GMs are colluding with each other to keep salaries down. <laughs> so that wouldn't surprise me. No, that's why there's no it's, offer sheet. See, I, I would believe that. I would also believe they're too chicken shit to do it. That is the other one. It's one of those two. Maybe yeah. a company. I mean, let's be honest. Let, let's be honest. But, the, the GM crew is a lot of. Uh, uh, they're very much of the, of the old boys club, except for a few extenuating circumstances for the most part. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, they don't want to screw each other over quote unquote, which doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if, if, if somebody like, I can't believe no one offers you the lender just to spike that price. Seriously. Up, you know, just it's- to screw with them. Cause I mean, cause everyone else is like, Oh, the least this, the least that. And then no one actually did anything. And it's just like, stop talking about something that has a very low chance of happening. You know? Yeah. 
Like, yeah. if, if, like if there's any contract coming up that's legitimately going to be like tabloid headline nonsense, it's going to be Marner. Mm-hmm. Marner's is going to be a tabloid nonsense of stupidity because of one, his camp, two, the Toronto media, and three, the Toronto fan base. And also because, the fact that he's having like a ridiculous year. Oh, he's having a great year. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but the people who say he deserves like, you know, Matthew's money, I just sit there and go, you do realize the best winger in the league just took nine and a half million in Tampa Bay, and he's going to probably have the most points we've seen since 2005. God. I want to talk about him a little bit. Just because. It's, it's like the most fun thing that I can think of just because like, I feel like it doesn't happen very often that you get a guy that is legitimately on a 150 point pace that it kind of like a lot of times you have that kind of nonsense at the start of the season. Like I remember Austin Matthews at one point was on like 190 goal pace just because he was scoring like crazy at the start of the year, which is stupid. That's never going to happen. But like, I feel like with Kucherov, it's like that could happen. It's not yeah. out of the realm. Yeah, he's on pace for like 130 right now. And the on-pace stuff, I kind of ignore all the yeah. way up until right before or right after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. I usually wait about two weeks after that. That's when I really start like actually paying attention to it because that's when you see if the guys are being consistent in scoring. Mm-hmm. And Kucherov didn't really start off that hot at the year, but his December was holy. Whew, his December and the entire team's December was just yeah. Like, otherworldly and i said and i kept saying it on my recaps um to the fan base i was like this is great but i'm gonna tell you <laughs> they're outscoring their problems right now so they yeah. need to they need to rectify it and so there were some minor bumps in january and by minor i mean minor um and some minor ones here and there after the all-star break but for the most part their goals for has roughly stayed the same which dropped a tiny bit but they're still somewhere averaging three goals averaging over three a game which is absurd and their goals against has dropped because they because one Veselevsky has um done the opposite of last season where last season he was fantastic early and then kind of tapered off uh, after the all-star break this year it's opposite and i think part of that has to do with his injury that took him out for a few weeks mm-hmm. and part of that is him understanding the role as uh, the role of being a starter uh more effectively because he has, oh boy, he I, I saw Sean Tierney uh, at Charting Hockey on Twitter mm-hmm. post post a um, a layout of Vasilevsky a few days ago, and he was like, "Yeah, uh, Vasilevsky, uh, he's uh, he's back to being really, really stupid good again instead of being instead of being instead of being average in front of a good team." And I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> like I'm I, I'm just uh, like the one thing that terrifies me the most is we hit the first round. And we hit a Pittsburgh or a Carolina uh, or somebody else in the Metro or something like that. And they just get hot. That, and yeah. and that's, the, that's the worry no matter what you do in the playoffs. And it's one of those. And it's, it's the thing that people were saying last season about, oh, New Jersey's going to upset them because there was very dissenting, uh, very minor dissenting voices about that. And me, I was saying five or six, and we ended up doing it at five because I'm just like, they're, all, they're quite literally the definition of a one line team. Yeah. As was, as was Boston in the very next round. Mm hmm. And then we played against a team that wasn't so much of a one-line team, and our offense dried up, and, well, we lost in seven. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's kind of, like, the best and worst part of the NHL playoffs is that, you know, it's never a crazy idea for an upset to happen. Not entirely, no. No. And speaking of that, like, I kind of expected at the start of the season when we were kind of working through our predictions at Broad Street Hockey, I personally kind of assumed – that Toronto and Tampa would be battling for the top spot in the East pretty much all season. 
and they kind of have. However, Tampa, I think when I looked yesterday, it's something like a 22-point lead in the standings ahead of the next team behind them, um, which is a lot. Up. I'll pull it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll going to pull it up right now. Thing. But, like, I – it's yeah, double I, digit. It's double digit, and it's been double digit for a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. a lot. So in the East, Tampa has ninety two points. The second place team in the East is a tie between Boston and the New York New York Islanders. Technically, it goes to Boston because Boston has a tiebreaker over them right yeah. now, but they have seventy six points. Yeah, so it's like crazy. And and it's, and, and, um, and Calgary is the second place team overall in the entire league at seventy seven. Tampa has ninety two points. In fifty nine games, that's that's a little obnoxious. With, with a with a seventy three goal differential, <laughs> so it's a little obnoxious. Like, it's it's I can't I I it's it's hit me a lot harder over these past like two weeks since the All Star break happened. Yeah. Where I'm just like this team is literally one of the most historic regular season teams we have ever seen. Yeah. This like is- not even not even just a cap era just. NHL history in general, this is one of the most dominant teams we've ever seen in the regular season. Yeah, and, they've, like, and they've won in every way you can possibly want. That's the yeah. that's the weird thing. Yeah, but it's getting a little show-offy, like when Team Canada puts up 10 against Belarus or something. Yeah, I know. Like, we haven't we haven't put a 10 spot on anybody. Yeah. I, think the, I think the most we've scored this season, I think, is 8. Or maybe 7. Well, we've, scored, we've scored 6 a few times. Yeah, I was gonna say you guys won six nothing the other night, right? Yeah, well, we score. We beat we beat Calgary six three, and then we beat Dallas six nothing, and then we yeah. beat um, oh god, who we just play? I was just there. Oh, who do we play? Montreal. Mm. We just blanked Montreal three nothing. Yeah, there have been a lot of shutouts for you guys recently. Yeah, and oh, um, and and. <laughs> I, I wrote this in the recap and also my lightning grades of, of the games because I'm doing two articles per game now. Um, Vasilevsky has six shutouts on the year. He has yeah. five in his last 14 starts. Ugh. Getting hot at the right time, huh? Let, let that sink in. He has five in his last 14 starts. Before then, his last shutout was like in November. Yeah. The beginning of November, I think, is, is when I saw the date. Every other shutout's come after the new year. Hmm. So yeah, like you just pointed out for us, the two teams behind you, Boston is really a one-line team in my opinion. I, if I were the Tampa Bay Lightning, I would not be worried about the Boston Bruins. I'd they, be worried. I'd be worried about their goaltending and their defense because Boston is one of the best shot suppression teams in the league. Yeah, I don't like giving them any credit though because I personally. I mean, them. nor do I, but. The analyst in me has to sit here and say Boston's still a good team. They might be a little too top heavy offensively, yeah. but they are a very, very stingy team defensively. True. True. The Islanders, I have I different I just threw my pen. <laughs> I don't know what the hell how the Islanders are doing this. Uh, I know uh, the, the easy thing is like Barry Trotz, and I'm just yeah. like, I I just don't get how this team is this good. It abs- that's the thing is like, this is one of those times where like, I know you can't look at just numbers and obviously they're winning games. So that's the thing that counts. However, they're not a good team. They're just winning games. And uh, I don't know how uh, they're doing it. Offensively, they're not that, they're not that spectacular compared to other teams in the league. Well, we, we both know how Val Filpula is. Yeah. Um, but like offensively, they're not a team that's going to like, um, like wow, wow, wow's the wrong word, but they're not a, a team that's 
very, very stacked offensively. Yeah, no. But they've had spectacular goaltending between both of their netminders. Yeah. And and whatever Barry Trotz is doing to their defensive system, it has done wonders to reduce the amount of shots that their goaltenders are facing. And their defense has been surprisingly good too. Which that I can more kind of, you know, say that's Trotz because Trotz is known for that. Yeah. Offensively, I just they just seem extremely opportunistic. Mm-hmm. They have their forecheck is fantastic. And they're getting there, a lot of luck. There, there were there were rumblings that Robin Lehner was a lot better than he looked in Buffalo, and he's kind of showing that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got really lucky that he was able to turn bounce, bounce back and be this good. Yeah. But at the start of the season, I thought the Islanders were at best a bubble team. Oh my god, I thought they were going to be bottom of the conference for sure. I, I, I thought I, I, I everything Lou Lamorello was doing. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought they were. I thought they were at best a bubble team. Yeah. If everything went their way, and they have just blown all expectations out of the water, and they're actually quite entertaining to watch. Like, I mean, Barzal's a freaking oh, I love watching. He is so much fun to watch. So, is there any team legitimately in the East that if you face them, the playoffs started tomorrow, and Tampa is matched up against X team, you would be worried? Any team in the East? Yeah, any team in the East that you're legitimately worried about? Not really. Yeah. There's, I mean, te- there are certain teams that match up better. Toronto matches up quite well, uh, as Toronto mm-hmm. fans will spout off about all the time. But yeah. when it comes to who's the deeper team with the better roster and the better goaltender, it's Tampa. It's mm-hmm. not by much. Like, if, if it goes, if, if Tampa and Toronto play in the second round, like a lot of us expect is going to happen, it's going to go a minimum of six games, more than likely yeah. seven games. Uh, it's going, back, it's going to be back and forth unless Toronto's scoring dries up and they become extremely top-heavy, which I don't think is going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, their addition to Jake Musson is nice, except for the fact that I, I feel as though Mike Backcroft doesn't really optimize his lineup as he should. He really which, doesn't, which is super shocking. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has. Uh, let's look at Backcroft's playoff record. He hasn't really done much without Nick Lidstrom anchoring his defense. Fair. Um, Fair. But there's no, team, there's no team in the East that I would look at and say – they'll beat Tampa. Like, definitively say they'll beat Tampa in a seven-game series. The only team that gets close would be Toronto, just because Toronto has a really good matchup because Toronto plays the same style. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Pittsburgh would cause some headaches. Just because Pittsburgh is rolling out two of the top five centers in the fucking league. Yeah, and they always somehow find a way in the playoffs. They, they've been there. They've won three cups. Yeah. That team, that team is always one you have to pay attention to. Yep. But the rest of them, Boston doesn't really scare me that much. Washington, uh, whatever. The Islanders, I don't know. The Islanders are too much of an enigma to me. I don't know yeah. what they're doing now is sustainable. Montreal, to me, is nothing more than a scrappy team that thinks they're good, but they're really average. <laughs> Carolina will be interesting, but I still have very little faith in Carolina's shooters actually scoring the way they're supposed to. Yeah. Even though they've been, even though Carolina has been absolutely fantastic since the new year. Is it, it, it? What's the real Carolina? Is the real Carolina the Carolina we saw at the beginning of the year that couldn't score, or is it the Carolina now? You know, or is it somewhere in the middle? If it's somewhere in the middle, I would worry about Carolina. If the real Carolina is the Carolina we're seeing now, everybody should be terrified of that team. Seriously, yeah, absolutely terrified of them. So you kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning of this, but since we know that Tampa is a team. That's almost completely full of positives. What is one, give me one like glaring negative that the Tampa Bay Lightning have on their roster. One big gaping hole 
Are we talking personnel or are we talking how they play? Either one. We'll go both. Okay. We'll, we'll go both. Uh, personnel-wise, uh, six defensemen. Okay. Yeah. Six defensemen. If we can possibly get somebody at the trade deadline who's better than Coburn and Girardi, cool. I wouldn't have an issue having Girardi. Uh, not Girardi, sorry. Coburn there. But if there's one glaring issue, it's, it's six defensemen and fourth-line center. Now, Paquette has had a fantastic season coming offensively, bouncing back from what his other seasons are. Uh-huh. I think that's partly luck and partly how the team is playing. Um, my only issue with Paquette is Paquette takes some extremely stupid penalties at the worst possible time, which is good, which leads me to my next point with the team. We take way more penalties than we should, and we take penalties at really, 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 really bad times. We've gotten better as seasons progressed, but it's just one of those things that just kind of always sticks in the back of my head. This team takes too many penalties at really inopportune times. Luckily, our penalty kill is like top three in the league right now compared to last season where it was like bottom three. Of course it is. So <laughs> it's kind of it kind of offsets. But yeah. at the same point, it's like if if you really want me to nitpick, fourth line center, six defenseman, if I really want to nitpick, and style wise. They take too many penalties at really opportune times. And they also, sometimes they let their foot off the gas and they really play some shit periods. And it really, really shows. I mean, they bounce back, but I mean, you, you can only do that so many times in the postseason before it's just going to sink you. So this is going to be an interesting game on our end because you're either going to get third game in a row, Carter Hart, or noted try hard, nice guy, terrible goaltender, Mike McKenna. Um, And either one of those options, I think for me is not great, obviously against the Tampa Bay lightning. So I'm kind of already marking this (laughs) with an L just for my own sanity. I mean, have you not watched the other freaking Tampa Philly games? I mean, I know, I know somehow we always keep it close with the lightning, but I did dual six, five games. Yeah. <laughs> and we blew like a three goal lead in one period to you. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess that could happen again. But if you, so if you were coaching the Flyers and you being the expert on the Tampa Bay Lightning that you are, what would you have the Flyers doing to try and beat this team? Clog the slot. Okay. Take away the slot. Um, effectively what Montreal and St. Louis did. Well, Montreal for two periods, St. Louis did for almost the entire game for the most part, mm-hmm. is you need to keep Tampa away from the slot. Let them fire from the perimeter. If you get beat by one of the perimeter shots, okay, we have elite shooters. But you'd rather have that happen than have Tampa drive the slot with one of our centers or our wingers who go in there, like the points, the Gords, the Kalorns, the Josephs, the Yernies, players like that who thrive off getting in that, causing chaos in front of the crease. You need to keep us out of the crease because one, we'll screen your goalie. Two, we might, we'll probably beat you to a rebound. Three, we're just going to make life a living hell down there because Stamkos and Kucherov are going to shoot from the wings because they're yeah. they're among the most – well, Stamkos is easily top three, top five elite shooters in the league still. Yeah. And, and Nikita Kucherov Nikita Kucherov who – I mean, it's Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if you if you want to slow on the offense, you need, to, you need to keep them on the perimeter. You need to not puck chase because I've noticed a lot of teams tend to puck chase the lightning where they just start leaving guys open and stuff like that. And then not overcommitting on the defensive points. We don't shoot a lot from the point. And the one player, well, there's two players from the point who shoot the most. And that's Sergachev and Hedman. McDonough does a little bit, but McDonough's kind of 50-50 when it comes to shooting, dumping it. Well, 50-50, uh, well, actually, I guess it would be 33-33-33. 
<laughs> when, it, when it comes to shooting, dumping it, or carrying it in. Okay. Look at the point. But Sergachev, Sergachev's very much of the mindset of "screw you, I'm shooting this puck, or I'm just going to dance around you." Headman is headman. I mean, have fun with that. <laughs> um, and the others are kind of. I mean, Coburn and Girardi kind of sit back. They'll pitch every now and then. Chernak's similar to similar to Sergachev, except he's a little more cautious at times, just a tiny bit more. Mm-hmm. But if if they're going to shoot, let them shoot because if it's a point shot, go ahead and let it go because those are those are low danger. Yes. Clear the way for your goaltender so he can see the shot. But that that's probably the best way to take care of them. I know people are going to say, grind them into the boards. Da, 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 da. I'm going to tell you right now, from what I've seen from this team, you take if you take cheap shots at this team and try to like grind them out, mm-hmm. one, they're going to get pissed. Two, they're going to skate harder. Three, they're going to punch you right back. Four, they're going to score on you either way. Yeah. So getting all like chippy, uh, chippy like the Canadians in the third period – um, it's just going to ruin you because one, it's really difficult to get under Tampa skin consistently mm-hmm. Two, they'll hit you right back three. They're more talented than you more than likely at, at forward uh, yeah. Four, they'll just, four, they'll just skate around you. So like play them tough, obviously that's, that's, that's that question, but it's much more of a strategic thing that teams need to take against them. You need to take away their plays from the slot, whether that's botting in them, pushing them out of the way or something, and also not allowing our wingers or whoever's on the boards for that matter to have time. Yeah. Because if you notice, a lot of the times we work a lot of our stuff along the boards or below the net. Well, not really below the net too much, but like, you know, where the where the goal line is, right where it meets, that's where we tend to work the most. You need to win those puck battles. You need to make our wingers or our forwards in general, I guess. You need to make them rush. If you make them rush, then errors happen. Then okay. bounces go the other way. And that's usually what happens uh, when teams have pretty good success against Lightning. They, they force our forwards to move quicker than they want to. They force them into positions where they have to like chip the puck around and try to beat somebody around them or something like that, which they're good at. But if you do it consistently over and over and over while at the same time doing, you know, that legal interference of using your body and stuff like that, that kind of wears on players throughout a game. And that's something that some teams have done, but I, don't, I haven't seen a team really do it consistently throughout an entire game. Well, Scott Gordon definitely listens to Wall <laughs> Street Hockey Radio. So I'm sure he's taking copious notes. <laughs> Any team knows how ineffective a shot is from the perimeter, it's the Flyers. <laughs> they should be well within the understanding that shooting from the perimeter sucks and is stupid and you shouldn't do it because they do it all the time. Yeah, you should only do it if you have elite shooters. Yeah. And the the only time you should. Yeah. I'd call I would call Claude Giroux an elite shooter because I'd call I call I would call Giroux Ng. Uh, Voracek elite shooters. I'll call them both elite shooters. That's fair, I think. I mean, are they are they like top of the line elite shooters? No, not anymore. But they're most definitely in the conversation. Yeah, they do. They do pretty good, I think. They're most definitely in the conversation. Okay, so who are you looking forward to seeing on the Flyers? What kind of generally are you looking forward to seeing in this matchup? Um. Well, given us the Flyers, it's going to be a shit show. Sure. Because it's always a shit show when we play the Flyers, no matter when we play them. When we're bad, it's a shit show. When we're good, it's a shit show. When we're mediocre, it's a shit show. (laughs) For some reason, when these two teams play, it's high scoring, it's nonsense, and things happen to make you go, what? Yeah. What just happened? (laughs) You know? Like, for for instance, the last game, it was back and forth, and then Anthony Sorelli literally just bodies Wayne Simmons for a game-winning goal. We The second game here in Tampa, we have, like, a three-goal lead. We blow it. And then somehow win it in the end off of some shenanigans. Yeah. I just, I fully expect this game to be, be like 5 4, 6 5. 
I hope with, so. With some nonsense hat. Like, honestly, since, since it's like that, I can see it going either way because that's just how that's just how the sport is. Yeah. But I can definitely I definitely see it being like a five four six five game just because that's what these teams do. That would be uh, fun for me personally, um, but also terrifying because giving up five on Tampa is not great because putting up six on Vasilevsky right now is probably going to be difficult. Well, see, you might not even get Vasilevsky. You might get Deming. Ooh! Yeah, I'm pretty mm. sure I am pretty – actually, let me double-check, actually, because we should have that update for information. I've been, like I said – like I told you about Florida, I've been building dressers all day, so <laughs> – <laughs> Oh, let me see. It should be Vasilevsky in the start tonight against the Blue Jackets. Ah. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it looks like it's Vasilevsky starting for us. So you'll you should get Deming tomorrow. Ooh, bonus. Which should make the six five prediction even more. <laughs> yeah, right. And if we have McKenna going, six five is like it might just be. It might just it might just happen in the first period. Eight seven might be more likely if okay. we're being honest. <laughs> I don't. Uh, will, will you guys survive that? I know we'll survive that win or lose because we'll just sit there and go, "What the hell happened?" Yeah, that'll that'll be a, a a bit too wild for a Tuesday night, but you know. I mean, we need some excitement. Yeah, at least it won't be boring. Oh, it's never boring between these two teams. No. Okay, so I think that we have kind of both come to the t- determination that this is going to be a high-scoring shit show, which feels right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I mean, there's a chance that one of the one of these goal one of these goaltenders gets a shutout. So I really don't know. But I mean the thing is, if they start Hart, which they could very well do, because Mike McKenna is just not good at hockey. Um I guess it's possible that he plays super well. I just Three games in four nights is a lot for anybody, even if you're only 20. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what we could possibly expect if he gets his third start in a row, but I guess we'll see. I mean, if you want the kid to learn, throw him in the fire and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and this would be the fire for sure. Like if you're facing down three lines of Tampa Bay Lightning shooters, it's definitely going to be a test for you. So maybe it is for the best that he gets in there. I don't know. I mean, how how has Hart been overall? I haven't – obviously, I haven't paid attention to the Flyers. He's been good. I've been paying attention to my stuff. But, I've, I mean, I've heard good things about him. Has it mostly just been good, or is it just the team in front of him letting him down? Um, He's mostly been outstanding. Most of the losses that have come have been because of the team in front of him. Most of the wins have come because he's stealing games for them. Um, Obviously, he's had some stinkers in there because he's 20. So he's going to have some stinkers, but for the most part, he is like, he's just good. It's, it's almost weird because I'm not used to it. Like he's just yeah. a goalie. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't have to like throw himself around. He's not like dramatic about it. He's just like calmly in position at all times. It's a very strange thing for a Flyers fan to watch. But uh, did you want to talk about the, uh, the rumors about Simmons? Oh yes. Let's. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I don't think he's worth it, but <laughs> so like I I kind of just like saw a headline um this morning on my Twitter feed about Tampa being interested in Simmons, but like what for picks or something or I don't know. I, I look at it as Simmons is oh, excuse me, Simmons to me is no longer a top six four. To me, he's a he's a third liner. Yeah. A good a good third liner, right. but it's where do you put him? 
on this roster. Okay. I'm going to, uh, first, I'm going to tell you our top six Samkos, Kucherov, Point, mm-hmm. Johnson, Palat, Gord. All right. Mm-hmm. Those are our top six. Okay. Palat hasn't produced because Palat's been injured for a portion of the year. Okay. Our third line has been Alex Kalorn, Anthony Sorelli, and a mixture of Matthew Joseph and JT Miller, to which, I mean, I haven't looked at the advanced metrics in a, in a bit, but the last time I looked, the combination of Kalorn, Sorelli, and Miller has such a giant lead when it comes to shot share. It's absurd. Yeah. And then our fourth line is Puckett, Ernie, and Joseph, or Callahan, when Callahan's in. And it's like, where where do you put Simmons in that lineup? Do you? I, mean, like, I guess you could put him on your fourth line. I, but, uh, why, but again, like, I, why why would we give up assets? Yeah. For a player that's going to go on our fourth line, unless it's like a a situation where they really just want to have the whole damn team stacked up for this playoff run. And to be honest, like, if Simmons is playing as well as he could, um which he hasn't really for stretches here recently. But like when he's on his game, he's definitely an asset. And I would say particularly in a rather physical seven game series. But that said, like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I guess it would depend. I mean, it's, it's, he, he most definitely has value, but yeah. my, my, my biggest issue is where do you put him in the lineup? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause if you put him on the third line, you're forcing Kalorda Miller on the fourth line to which, I mean, they'd be okay on the fourth line, but that's not where they're suited. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, his, his, the most, that's a weird way of wording it, but the best place he would fit would be on the second power play unit, which doesn't get as much time on the ice as right. the first power play unit because, well, I mean, the first power play unit's absurd. <laughs> but, the, but, but the second power play unit could use a bigger body down low. It'd be nice. It's not to say that it's, it, 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 and it's not to say that the ta- like people keep thinking Tampa is this like soft team. It doesn't hit. I'm like that team's like top ten in hits in the in the league this season. Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking about? And then like we have Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie's a big kid. He is a big boy who can lay the body, and he's faster than Simmons. You know, and he and he probably and he probably has more offensive upside than Simmons at this at this juncture because Simmons is just going to continue to decline, whereas Ernie should theoretically get better and better because he's only I think 23 at the moment. Yeah, or 24. One of those two. And it's just like, I just don't feel like it's a wise decision to give up assets, whether they be picks or other B prospects from Syracuse for a player that is essentially going to be marginally used in comparison to the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. It is essentially going to be a specialist when we already have people on the roster who can fill that role. You know, that that's that's my holdup with it. I, I And I totally get that. But like, I guess if I'm Tampa, maybe I'm thinking if we're going to go for a long stretch here, having some depth wouldn't be bad. So we'll play this guy on the fourth line and the second power play unit for now. And if he's got to move up because someone gets hurt, it's good that we have him, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I would actually, I mean, I would like it to happen because I really like Wayne Simmons and the ideal outcome for me is that he does get moved to a team that's going to make a real cup push and that maybe he'll win one. Um, But yeah, I don't, on a team as stacked as Tampa, you're right. It, there's not really a lot of room for him to make yeah. real impact. Yeah. If we, if we had a hole, like yeah. if, we, if we had a legitimate hole in the third line that w- wasn't really being filled mm-hmm. effectively, sure. I can get behind that. But I mean, for Christ's sake, we have eight forwards that are essentially top six forwards and two of them are playing third line minutes. And it's like, I, it's just, I, I, I'm not very, given the fact that our second round picks already taken. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it becomes a first if we win the whole thing. It's like essentially two of our picks are taken now mm-hmm. because we can't trade the first because God forbid we win the cup. Then what do we do? You know. Right. So it's like two of two of our top two picks are already taken up this year. I don't Simmons isn't worth a third round pick. Simmons is worth at least a second. I would know? think so. Fir, if anyone pays a first rounder, I, it's an overpay in my opinion. I think Simmons is worth a B prospect and a second rounder, which I think is perfectly fine for his past performance and what he's currently doing now. I think it's yeah. I think I think it's a, a, a nice medium for what he is. No, no more than that though. You get a pick and then you know maybe a B or C prospect depending how it goes and stuff like that. Which we have plenty of B and C prospects. I just don't like getting rid of them because. Mm-hmm this cap situation is going to get pretty gnarly here soon. Yeah. You guys are going to need some cheap kids for sure. Exactly. So, I mean, if they go out and end up doing it for like a second and I don't know, somebody from Syracuse, I don't know who Philadelphia would look at specifically. I don't know if you guys need forwards or defenders or something like that, but and he, and say he ends up playing on the fourth line and then mm-hmm. we end up scratching Joseph or Ernie more than likely Joseph because Joseph's ice time has been declining recently. Then okay, I mean there are worse things than having Wade Simmons in the fourth line. Yeah. So I mean, it, I don't know. I it, don't know where he's going to end. Up. And, and if something like that happens, it would be good injury insurance. But again, I my gut tells me that the team is probably going to stand pat. I say probably because Julian Breezeball is a guy who's not really afraid to make moves. He's a guy who who knows what he wants. He knows how the team is structured, and he knows how players can fit. So if Breezeball feels as though it can work, then, I mean, Breezeball's track record goes as far back as Eiserman's because he's been here since day one. And there's been very few bad trades that this organization has made. So no, if, they're if, a very if, well-put-together team. Yeah, if Breezeball goes through with it, I he'll have my back because he has done nothing to really make me think otherwise. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot that I read that this morning. That's it is. Well, I know, I know. People would be like, "Why didn't you talk about Simmons?" Da, 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 da. He's linked to Tampa. Da, 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 da. And be like, "Oh God." Yeah, there's always somebody who has to point out your failure. Yeah, well, it's the internet. <laughs> it's the internet. All right, I think we've done well. Yeah. You feel good about this? Yeah, I feel good. Excellent. I probably can feel good about the game because it's gonna be a shit show, but. <laughs> You want to give me? You want to give me a, a concrete prediction? Oh, I'm saying screw it. I'm saying six five again. Six five shit show. I'm gonna six, go six five shit show, and uh, let me let me flip a coin. This <laughs> is gonna win this. Let me see. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Tampa. <laughs> it was heads was heads was Tampa, tails was Philly. Okay, fair. I'm gonna say. Oh God. I'm I'm gonna say they start McKenna, and it's. Eight to six, Tampa. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eight to 14 goals? This, there's 14 goals scored, and at the end of the game, all of us are dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Watch it be like a one nothing game. I know, right? Yeah. Watch it be like a one nothing game with Mike McKenna getting a shutout, and we're all going, fuck it, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> It'll be like super boring defense battle, like, a total of 22 shots on goal between both teams. And Andrew McDonald gets the game winner. <laughs> oh, God. Well, now I know you're crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, if we're going, if, we're, not, going, if yeah. we're going 8-6-6-5, we're going one nothing McKenna shutout with Andrew McDonald getting the game winner. I, I don't know which one of those is weirder. An Andrew McDonald game winner or a Mike McKenna shutout against the Lightning? I mean. Yeah, they're both pretty wild. <laughs> We're, we might as well cover both spectrums. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. All right.
right, Matt, thank you very much for joining me again. Thank you for having me. Again, this is Matthew Estevez from Raw Charge. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Estevez SBN, right? Yep. Matt Estevez SBN. If you want to check him out on Twitter, he's actually a really fun follow. Read his stuff on Raw Charge to learn a bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And enjoy the game. Go Flyers. Go Bolt.